0: Welcome to the Get Out and Try podcast. I'm your host, Katie Axel. This episode is brought to you by ID Shield, the most comprehensive identity theft protection and reputation management solution available. ID Shield provides credit monitoring and alerts, digital privacy management, and guaranteed restoration services. I use it myself, and you can get it too. Visit getoutandtry.wearelegalshield.com. That's getoutandtry.wearelegalshield.com. We're picking up where we left off from last week. This is part two of the interview with Jeremiah Walters, who is a naturalist with Wild Rivers Conservancy, and he is teaching me everything I need to know about ice fishing. So this is part two of Ice Fishing 101. Check it out. Going back to the keeping fish piece and the regulations, you actually need to be able to identify what kind of fish you caught to be able to know what you can keep, right?
1: Very important. Yeah. I mean... It's easy, I think, um, once you start catching fish and you're able to say, oh, this is a perch or this is a bluegill. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, so there's this family of fish called sunfish, and that includes bass, so largemouth and smallmouth, and then different types of what we call, what I think most people just generalize as bluegills, but there's pumpkin seed, there's uh, the green sunfish, there's the bluegill itself and uh, the long-eared sunfish. So it's like there's all these fish within this family that I think most people just categorize as bluegills. Um, But for Wisconsin, I think they're just generalized as panfish. So bluegills, uh, perch... Those you can fish for, I think, year round, and you don't. I would, I would say, maybe don't count me on that, just in case you go out and get caught. But I'm pretty sure that for species like bluegills, you're able to fish uh, before fishing opener and catch as many, or not as many as you'd like. There's definitely limits, but catch mm-hmm. catch your fair share and then eat them, do what you'd like with them. Um, but then the bigger game fish, like northern pike, walleye, which I think walleye are the biggest between the two states that people love chasing. Um, mm-hmm. Those have specific seasons that you definitely need to abide by. Yeah. It's, it's important to be able to identify the fish you're catching just so that way you're not unknowingly breaking the law.
0: Yeah,
1: um, It's definitely important. And they, the, the, those fishing regulations definitely help with a little bit of fish identification. Okay. Um, there's field guides out there that exist that are helpful too. But if you don't want to go drop like 20 bucks on a field guide, I'd say, stick with the fishing regulations as those will give you the most general idea and still super helpful. So,
0: okay. Okay. So I'm going to make it awkward now and ask a weird okay. question. So let's say it's not during a time that you can keep your fish Okay. and you catch it and you pull it up and it dies. What's the best practice to do with that? Ooh.
1: I definitely, I don't think I have a good answer for that. Um, Cause I've had that happen I, right? you know i mean i remember it,
0: that as a kid like what do you do
1: yeah you I, I mean when i when it happened to me i've released the fish you know and yeah. it's sad to see it go belly up but those are the laws and the rat racco- and the nice thing about it though if you if you look at it in a nature sort of way it's the cycle of life um you know that fish probably floated up onto a bank somewhere and that night a raccoon was able to probably <laughs> feast on it yeah. um but uh Yeah, definitely do what the law says. And if you do have questions, reach out to a conservation officer. Yeah. Uh, I think they're typically available 24 seven. You can look them up online. I've done it on both Wisconsin and Minnesota sites where you can look up the specific conservation officer that's within your county or area Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, give them a call if you have any, any questions like
0: that. All right. So we're working our way through this whole fishing process and I know When you're fishing in the summer, you have a live well where you keep fish that you're going to take home for a meal. Yep. What do you do with them when you're ice fishing?
1: (laughs) I think most people just either set them on the ice or throw them in a bucket. Um, It's definitely different from summer fishing. If you're going to keep a fish in the wintertime and you throw it on the ice, that's definitely going to take its life away. Mm -hmm. So uh, definitely be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? insightful maybe like just be 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 smart about what you're doing like if you don't if you're not sure if you want to keep the, the fish then throw it back it's better to you know let that fish go live and make babies other than to leave it on the ice and then think oh I didn't want to keep this fish
0: no. <laughs> and, and how do you learn how to clean the fish for a meal
1: YouTube I mean I've done a lot of YouTube videos like Northern Pike are super tasty and they're they, you get really good meat off of them, but they have these things called Y-bones, um, mm-hmm. which are these little, little bones that you don't really see, but if you're eating them, you can feel them. And if they're tricky to get out of the meat. Um, but YouTube, I saw this great way of someone filleting one where you're able to get rid of those Y-bones and not have to worry about it. <laughs> it's super helpful. Uh, I also think just asking people to When you're out there, Minnesota nice is definitely a real thing. People are happy to help.
0: And I know a good fillet knife is really important when you're definitely
1: sharp. Fillet knives make a huge, like a huge difference. Um, I've definitely used dull fillet knives and it's hard to do. And it's dangerous too, because they're still sharp. They're just dull in their category. And uh, if you slip and cut yourself, it it can be, it can be quite dangerous. Um, Yeah. Whereas using a, a sharp one where it stays in the groove and does what it's supposed to. Yeah.
0: yeah. How many fish do you want to catch for a meal? For so like let's say two people.
1: Two people? Mm-hmm. So what are we fishing for? Walleyes?
0: I don't know. You gotta tell me this. <laughs> what are we fishing for?
1: Yeah. So I think the easiest fish to catch is a panfish. So we'll go with that.
0: <clears throat> okay. Not walleye. So, Walleye's no. not a panfish
1: no nope. walleyes okay. yeah walleyes not a panfish and they're tr- they can be tricky but uh I feel like bluegills crappies and perch are pretty simple to catch bluegills yeah. especially but mm-hmm. um ooh, so I love eating fish so like I'm I'm like a biased I want to say like a big number like get, get, <laughs> get, get, catch 10 fish and that's 20 fillets uh between yeah. two people I could demolish that yeah. <laughs> but uh if it's just two people I mean yeah, 10 fish is is a good limit. I mean, okay. But yes, you could get away with six. So mm-hmm. that's that's 12 filets right there. Yeah. Um, so
0: and obviously being smart about the size of fish that you're keeping as well. Yeah. That, that can make a big difference. Yep. That makes a huge difference. Okay. I I know the walleye side of it from the food service side. So I worked in food oh. service sales for a number of years and There were a few years where I was having a hard time getting it for customers because there were limits that were being set because they needed to replenish the population.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, that's a a good reason why catch and release is important and being choosy about the fish you catch. So you want to make sure you're putting, you know, the best breeders back when you're fishing. And that's why I think, uh, a lot of lakes in both Wisconsin and Minnesota have slots, So there's a, you can catch a fish from 15 to 18 inches. I'm just generalizing. This is, I'm just thinking off the, uh, off my head here, but um, there's a slot where you can keep a fish that's from 15 to 18 inches. Mm -hmm. And then one fish that's over 28 inches. So the the slot between 18 and 28, you can't keep a fish within there Mm -hmm. uh, because those are generally going to be the best breeders that are ripe in age and perfect for breeding and making more babies. And a lot of people I feel like are good at that when it comes mm-hmm. to walleye, because a lot of people like what, what are called eaters, which are just the the 15 to 16 inch walleye, which you get nice meat, a good fillet off of it. Um, and uh, they're safe for future generations of walleye, I think. So yeah. Um, yeah. It's important to be, be co- conscious about what you're catching and, how to think about the future when you're catching them. So,
0: and when you were talking about that, I was thinking, okay, is this a tool that someone probably wants to purchase when they go out to catch and keep fish, um, something to weigh and measure?
1: Yeah. So this actually, so this cool little thing is a ruler that, um, so we partner with the park service Mm -hmm. when we go and do our ice fishing events. And, uh, they have a cute little junior, junior angler program booklet. And then they give away those free rulers, which are easy. You could just tuck away in the boat or take away in your bucket when you're going ice fishing. So uh, they definitely make tape measures and everything for anglers. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's they're smart to have, though. I think most of the species of fish between Minnesota and Wisconsin are off of uh, size. So just uh, in inches. I don't know of any fish by weight, but I do think that I've heard that somewhere. So, but definitely these are important to have
0: to start off season four of the podcast, I had the St. Croix County parks on and they talked about how they're putting fish cribs in. Uh, Tell me what that means.
1: Yeah. So that's actually one of the things that we talk about when we're out on the ice doing these programs. Um, So fish cribs are these cool, like Lincoln log houses, not huge, but just like a couple logs stacked up on each other. Uh, you throw them out when there's ice on the lake. And then once that melts, they sink to the bottom and that creates structure for fish. So structure is protection, um, refuge uh, a place where they can just feel safe from predator, predatory fish. And then their food also can kind of, you know, like the fish that we're chasing eat a lot of macro invertebrates. So, Uh, just bugs under the water, and when you put stuff that bugs can latch onto, then fish will surround that as well. Um, So we actually did a program, we have another one coming up in February, but we did a program at Willow River State Park on Little Falls Lake, and they, uh, before the lake, or when the lake was drained, you could look out and see the cribs, and then they just made a bunch more last year that we actually went out and fished around and you, we put the underwater camera and it's kind of spooky because as you're going down, you just see like these logs stacked up on each other. And it's just super eerie to see that, but, uh, it's pretty cool when you get to see the fish all hanging around it. So nice. that makes
0: sense. I kind of just nodded and I had Ken Conan with me and and he knew what they were talking about. So I was like, (laughs) all right, I'm not going to waste their time on this one, but uh, that's good to know. All right. So I have a childhood trauma with a fish.
1: Oh oh no. (laughs) And,
0: and I want to ask you because I feel like you'll know about this. Um, when I was about nine years old, I was fishing with my dad and my uncle and, I had a fish on the line and I whipped it up and being a little kid, I whipped it over into the boat and the fish bit the line and then fell straight down into the boat. And just and, her. <laughs> Yep. But what I was looking at, I later learned was an alligator gar. Oh. And that the- thing was freaking prehistoric looking and scary and toothy <laughs>
1: Oh yeah. That's so cool. I've never caught one of those. Yeah. I think so as a naturalist, definitely. Um, That
0: thing was, uh, you know, I didn't go swimming on that trip after that because it freaked me out. Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: they're, they're scary looking for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, but what can you tell me that you have seen or known about that exists in our Beautiful St. Croix River that is a little bit more on the prehistoric side.
1: <laughs> sturgeon, obviously, the lake sturgeon. Um, yeah. Those can get up to six feet long, if not longer. Um, oh. <laughs> and they look like dinosaurs. They have really cool ridges. The nice thing about those, we don't have to be scared of them because they're bottom feeders. Yeah. So they have these big, like, suction like mouths that just probe the bottom, um, looking for decaying animals that are at the bottom or whatever, that, whatever else that might be down there. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they're awesome fish and they can, they can live for a very long time. But, uh, How,
0: how those... long can they live? Do you know offhand?
1: I offhand I do not. And I probably should, because when I was in college, my last like senior seminar project was on sturgeon and the age <laughs> about them. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I should know that. Um, but I know... In the
0: past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: but I know it's a lot. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, I would say seventy-five to eighty years. Okay. Um, so about the same as humans. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, they they're huge and they're uh, they're pretty cool. There's a lot of cool research that's always being done around them. So mm-hmm. if you're ever bored one day, look up on the Minnesota or Wisconsin DNR website um, yeah. about Lake sturgeon. What other fish? I mean, we do have uh, long nose and short nose gar, uh, which are similar to what you've seen in those uh those look prehistoric as well they have super cool scales that are diamond shaped long noses that just house a bunch of sharp teeth mm-hmm. um, i don't think we have to be too scared about that <laughs> like i said i've never caught one or encountered one so the fact that you were able to that's so cool
0: it stuck uh, with me <laughs> oh yeah
1: and i i think it would for any anybody even you know if i if i went out there and that happened to me it would stick with me forever yeah but uh, what other animals? We have flathead catfish, which if you've ever looked up noodling on like YouTube or. I
0: have that yeah. is freaky. So if you're listening to this and you've never looked it up, it's <laughs> weird. Go look that it, up. <laughs>
1: yep, people down south, uh, like Texas, Oklahoma, they stick their hands in riverbanks and pull out these ginormous catfish, which we, so we have flathead catfish and channel catfish, The flatheads that we have up here are few and far in between. There's not a lot of them and they definitely don't get to the sizes that they do down there, but uh, they're, they're crazy looking too. So
0: yeah, interesting. Well, I could probably pick your brain all day about all my weird <laughs> questions cause I just yeah. get curious about it. Um, but I really appreciate you going over all of that. How do people find out about when let's go ice fishing is happening other than visiting getoutandtry.com?
1: <laughs> right. So getoutandtry.com is a great place to look. You could also go to our website, wildriversconservancy.org our Facebook and Instagram, we have, we post about it and we also have the, the spot where you can find registration for it. So ice fishing isn't something that we can do all year long, which I'm okay with because it's really cold out and I'm kind of looking forward to summer already. Yeah. But uh, ice fishing is a great way to kill time in the, in the summer or in the winter. And uh, it's, it's a great way to still get outside and try. So yeah, a nice little uh, wrap up there. But yeah, um, our website for sure has the, a calendar of events. So you're able to see what's happening on what days and where.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and if you need to register, the link is there too. So,
0: okay. And we might need to get you back on the podcast come springtime because you are going to have some really cool summer events that are happening as well. Yeah. And at that point, I'll have to ask you all my weird questions about bear and <laughs> deer. Yeah, I, and all this
1: definitely. Stuff. I'd be happy. I'm really looking forward to summer. We're already planning events for summer, which is like a good and bad thing. Cause it's just making me excited, yeah. but it's making me like ready just to get out of winter. And right. Uh, so,
0: and yesterday but. we were what negative 16. So <laughs> oh, you're just gosh. like, yeah. I can't stop thinking about summer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> uh,
0: well, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. I really appreciate it.
1: Well thanks for having me and uh it was great to be able to talk about ice fishing because like I said, it gave me some good ideas for how I'm gonna lead events now. So
0: Well and now I know what I'm walking into in a couple of weeks when I actually go ice fishing. Yeah. So thank and good you. luck. <laughs> and,
1: and remember it's fishing, not catching, but hopefully for you it you'll you'll get on them and catch a bunch. So
0: here's hoping. That wraps up this episode. Thank you for listening. Be sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the podcast. That's one of those small ways that you can help support the podcast and help others to find it. Make sure you're also visiting getoutandtry.com often, keeping you connected to the calendar of fun and happenings in the St. Croix Valley area. Until next time, find some ways to connect with your community. Support those hardworking, small businesses that host all the fun in the valley. Go, get out and try.